Hi everyone and welcome to episode 41 of Under Further Review with Burke and Jen. I'm Burke. I'm Jen. Uh, and happy to be with you this week, just a little bit before uh, the holidays. Hope everyone's doing well with their shopping. <laughs> um, and uh, in the spirit of the season, we are back with our evergreen <laughs> topic, which is men and the people that they are harming. Um, so with that, um, I think the first story we wanted to talk about is um, kind of a uh, celebrity sports mix. Um, James Dolan has been, who is the owner of the Knicks and the Rangers, who got his ass kicked by Charles Oakley and was publicly <laughs> embarrassed. Um, he has been named in a lawsuit by um, a woman who is suing the Weinstein Company as a result of um, behavior that Harvey Weinstein engaged in while employed by the Weinstein Company. Um, not only is James Dolan being sued as part of that lawsuit, but Mark Lassery, who is the co-owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes. So the reason why they are named in this civil suit is because both James Dolan and Mark Lassery sat on the board at um, Miramax. Right. Um, and so because they were, they're being sued in their capacity as members of the Weinstein Company or Miramax's board of directors. Mm -hmm. um, so... Yeah, I'm not sure that there's a ton to say about that, except that, you know, James Dolan, I, as far as I can tell, there are no allegations that he actually engaged in any improper sexual harassing behavior, but rather that kind of as a board member, um, the company needs to be held responsible for mm -hmm. allowing Harvey Weinstein to engage in that type of behavior and get away with it. Yeah, and I, and I think the... Um, the idea is also that the board knew about this... But knew about Harvey Weinstein's behavior and really did nothing to stop it. So, um. right, yeah, as sort of a quick reminder, um, I think we talked about this as part of our pod, or I may have just been talking about it in another setting since this seems to be the topic of the day. Um, <laughs> That Weinstein, um, the Weinstein company insisted that they didn't know about any of this behavior. Kind of, they knew that he uh, cheated on his wife um, and, you know, had relationships with women um, in the context of his work, but that the assumption was always that it was consensual. Um, except then one of the former board members who renegotiated Harvey Weinstein's contract with the Weinstein Company in 2015 admitted that as part of those negotiations, he questioned Weinstein um, about a series of um, allegations that had been made against him. Weinstein shared that uh, he had paid off or he paid settlements to, I think, three or four women not using Weinstein Company funds, um, and there were no current then currently pending claims against him, and that gave the that board member comfort um, to sign him to a contract renewal. So there is even by the you know individual board members' own admission, they at least some of them knew about it before. Mm -hmm. uh, the whole thing blew up this fall. Yes, and Lassery and Dolan were board members sort of in like 2015, 2016, so it would have come after at least one of the board members knew about allegations made against Weinstein. Um, just as a quick reminder, James Dolan is no stranger to having pay out millions and millions of dollars related to sexual yeah. harassment claims. Um, as he and the Knicks were sued um, by, which I think she was an executive vice president, uh, so. who alleged that the former 
president of the Knicks, Isaiah Thomas, uh, uh, you know. It's Isaiah with two A's, not the former Celtics point guard. <laughs> yes, sorry. Yes, the former Detroit Pistons. <laughs> Is he a small forward? Forward. I think no. so. Um, he sexually harassed her and then, um, you know, and as as so frequently happens, fired her when she refused his advances. So I think the Knicks ended up paying out like 11 or maybe a little more than $11 million in that case. And then they made Isaiah Thomas the coach of the New York Liberty, the WNBA team that I believe James Dolan also owns. That's yeah, just that's great. just awful. <laughs> um, so moving on from that one, uh, just an update. We, I think, talked about him very briefly last week. But uh, Danny Masterson, who has been accused of sexual assault by at least three former Scientologists, um, and he has refuted all of these claims and allegations, Uh, we had talked extensively about how he's still on his Netflix show, The Ranch, Um, and it has been made known uh, just in this last week that he's been fired from his show. They are writing him out of next season, I guess the second part of the second season starts sometime in December, but those episodes were already filmed. So I don't know how they're going to write him out. If he's going to you know, die in a helicopter crash a la Lieutenant Colonel Blake on MASH or um, <laughs> some other some other kind of demise. But yes, he is no longer going to appear on the ranch um, for future episodes. And he basically said that he's um, he'll be spending his time like refuting the claims against him, um, which, as we've talked about, I think briefly in uh, some prior pods, there are allegations that the um, Church of Scientology, of which Masterson is a pretty prominent member, interfered with the police investigations of these claims. But that seems to be giving him, he's trying to utilize that or use that as cover now to say that this is just a, a witch hunt and he's being treated unfairly. Um, and I do think, I know we say this a lot, but I think it bears repeating just because there's so many people now who are saying, you know, uh, there's no due process mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Um, and I, you know, that's true to some extent, but the, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt proof of stand, sorry, standard of proof, um, only really is uh, an issue when you're in a court of law. It's only a jury or a judge that's applying that standard. Um, You can just be pretty sure, you know, more likely than not that someone did something in order to uh, uh, take employment action against them in a lot of cases, of course, depending on the contract that you may have with them. Yeah, and, um, and I think it bears repeating, as Burke mentioned, that, like, People who say right now, where is the process that is due to these individuals? Let's remember, none of these people are losing their liberty, losing, you know, and that is when process is usually due to an individual when there is something really, truly great at stake. In this instance, private companies are firing their private employees and they're, you know, you can be fired for no reason or any reason so long as it's not an illegal reason. Um, and so they're in rapists are not a protected (laughs) class of people. Uh, so, so. yeah. So in, in the overwhelming majority of these instances, there is no process that is due to them. So, but when Harvey Weinstein, who I said, and Kevin Spacey, who was under criminal investigation Mm -hmm. by authorities, yes, when in 
the time comes when they end up in court, they will be entitled to like due process under the law. But being fired from your Netflix gig is not a situation where due process is required. And I think that that gets lost a lot of times when um, people are saying innocent until proven guilty. And I think, Burke, you mentioned this in one of our earlier pods about, you know, a lot of these individuals have admitted to some of the behavior, maybe mm-hmm. not all of it and maybe not to the worst of it. But, you know, certainly there have been admissions to, you know, inappropriate touching or groping or comments or those sorts of things made by uh, the people who have been accused. Yeah. And just to follow up on that, to be really clear, Danny Masterson has denied all of the allegations against him, Mm -hmm. um, although he... Uh, I think one of his publicists called, I can't remember all the details of this particular story, but somebody working for for him um, made the statement that you can't rape somebody you're in a relationship with, which that's not true. That's (laughs) (laughs) anyone who's listening, like to be clear, that's an inaccurate explanation of the law. Um, But did we talk last week about the, so just as a kind of precipitating event to Danny Masterson getting fired, and I don't think we discussed this last week, there was um, a a Netflix executive who I guess coaches a youth soccer team, and a woman came up to him, um, her kid plays on that team that he coaches, and said, um, it was talking to him about Danny Masterson and like why they hadn't fired him, to which he responded, because we don't believe the accusers. And then this woman at that point disclosed she was one of the accusers. Um, so this story became very public, uh, and it seems as though Danny Masterson's firing followed pretty shortly thereafter. So I don't know if this was a you know CYA move by Netflix. They were getting a lot of like shitty publicity because they have this dumb executive who mm-hmm. never should have said what he said, even if, I mean, they shouldn't have taken that position probably, but even if they did, he shouldn't have been telling random people at a mm-hmm. soccer game about yes. it. Um, so, you know, Netflix, I think, came out and said this guy, uh, I think Andrew Yateman, I yes, believe is his name. That is his name. Um, that he, he's like an executive for their kids programming, has <laughs> nothing to do with anything dealing with Danny Masterson, the ranch, whatever. So he doesn't know what he's talking about, but he shouldn't have said it. Um, and then his wife who is an executive at Disney. Uh, Andy Yateman's wife? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, thank you. Uh, yes. And her first name starts with an L, Lily, Lily Yateman. She sent this, like, crazy email to the husband of the woman who went and talked to Andy Yateman saying, like, you've done a lot. Your wife has really hurt our family, and I hope she's happy now. Like, she accosted him at a soccer game. And so it's just, there's a lot of, like, Hollywood drama. But anyway, the all the end of this whole situation is that Danny Masterson is no longer working for Netflix. Which, mm-hmm. um, um, and I wanted to just give a special thank you to my sister-in-law who um, texted me that story because she really wanted us to talk about it on today's podcast. So awesome. there you go, Katie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so moving on from... Our, our evergreen storyline. Um, I think we'll move over to, and there's really no good way of doing an intro for this, but um, Lorenzen Wright's murderer has been arrested. Finally, after um, I think seven, seven years after Lorenzen Wright's murder, Lorenzen Wright was a um, really superb college basketball player. He played for the University of Memphis. Um, he went on to a long, pretty long NBA career. I think he played for about 11 years, but with a bunch of different teams. So um, his NBA career, I don't think, 
quite matched up his uh, with the talent and uh, expectations there were for him coming out of college, mm-hmm. which is not terribly relevant to the fact that he was murdered and that murder went unsolved for quite some time. Um, but in 2010, um, Lorenzen Wright was shot and killed um, some like a uh, like a rail yard or something. I think outside of or near Memphis, Tennessee. Um, he was last heard from on a 911 call where he can be heard screaming in the background. Um, and uh, that was on July 19th, 2010. Mm-hmm. Ten days later, his body was discovered um, in southeast Memphis, along with the shell casings of multiple guns. Um, and his murder had gone unsolved until this week when a man by the name of, excuse me, Billy Turner was arrested on first degree murder charges. He's being held um, in prison on a million dollars bond. Uh, his first hearing was this week, and during that hearing, Lorenzen Wright's mother stood up in the middle of the courtroom and kind of shouted at him, um, you know, how could you murder my son? Uh, she was admonished by the judge. They had some back and forth. He has asked her to kind of keep it together, um, keep herself composed, or else he'd have to ask her to leave the courtroom. Um, I can't imagine how she must be feeling right now, but... Um, at this point, they haven't released any details as to like what Billy Turner's connection to Lorenzen yes. Wright may have been or why he would have done this. Mm-hmm. Um, but presumably that will come out um, as part of pre-trial activities or at trial if they don't um, reach a plea agreement ahead yeah. of time. Correct. And uh, just um, one of the things you said in one of the articles I read, I think the... They might have traced his cell phone to near a golf course. Maybe not a rail yard. Or maybe he was found in a rail yard. Maybe. Okay. We can keep looking. I don't know why the railroads stuck out to me, but I could have made that up completely. So (laughs) apologies, listeners. Um, Yeah, so it's been 10 years since um, this horrible murder and only now, which I think the Memphis police have always said that they've been working on this case and... um, and I don't really know like what sort of break they got in it to uh, lead them to Turner, but there were several interviews with people who know Turner, and they're like, we had no idea that this guy who comes in and like sits and like you know is really friendly and he helps people like fix our cars, or he's like a very neighborly guy, like how he would be capable of um, allegedly uh, murdering Lorenz and Wright. Yeah, and I'm trying to think, like, even at the time of the murder, I don't know that there was any... I don't know that anybody could figure out why this happened to him. Um, Mm -hmm. Just because, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, not just doesn't... It's not just athletes, but, um, you know, you hear stories of people getting involved in, like, shady business dealings or whatever. There didn't seem to be a clear motive for why somebody would do this to Lorenzen Wright, um, as far as I can recall. And um, to circle back, Jen, to a point that you were just talking about, about how they got kind of the break here, there was a gun discovered um, in a lake in in Mississippi (laughs) They um, back in October, and that caused the police to um, sort of republicize the murder, and um, they offered a reward, and it seems like information came in. Um, And apparently, Lorenzen Wright, as I was saying, that he um, didn't seem to have any troubles leading up to his death. He actually had been suffering from some financial difficulties after his career ended. Um, And 
uh, his ex-wife the day, according to his ex-wife, around the time that he died, he left her house with drugs and cash, and then he was never seen again. Oh. So that's oh. scary. All right, yeah. so I retract my prior <laughs> statements. Clear, I should have done some more research on this. <laughs> but Sorry. <laughs> but it is clear from the, the um, accounts or stories that we've read that... Uh, Authorities have not released any information related to whether they knew each other previously or, or what the motive was. So we still don't know. We could speculate, but that would be irresponsible of us. Right. Um, and yeah, it does sound like they had a bunch of tips that they were working on through kind of the end of 2010, and then the trail went cold. Mm-hmm. So this was finding the murder weapon in Mississippi seems to have really triggered um, a new look at the case. Yeah, I'm wondering if they were looking for it. Or if it was like they were looking for something else and then found the gun. Interesting. I guess I'll have to just stay tuned. And like, how did they figure out that the gun in Mississippi was tied to the murder in Tennessee? Like, Yeah, I I don't know. This seems like a real credit to good police work. And I wish we had more (laughs) details because I feel like, so I'm a huge true crime fan. I think I've (laughs) talked about that on this podcast before. And often when you hear those stories, it seems like it's the opposite. That, like, if only these two police departments had been oh, communicating exactly. with one another, one another, they could have stopped something terrible from happening. Um, so it's just interesting that this is kind of the reverse here. So Yeah, but I'm sure there will be more details as uh, more information is provided to the public about this. C- certainly. Um, so moving on to our third story um, that's not related to sexual harassment or cold cases dead people yeah yeah <laughs> um the russian olympic team has been barred from participating in the 2018 winter games in pyeongchang south korea yeah for like just systematic doping right and what's interesting to me so when i first heard that i thought that meant that the, like the russian athletes just couldn't participate me at too. all um turns out that's not the case uh there are only there are certain specified um i think Maybe it's within sports that are not, like particular sports that they're, they will not be allowed to participate in. So I know as just a, like the lowest rung on this ladder, like so the country, like the Russian government officials are not allowed to attend and the flag <laughs> will not be displayed. But individual athletes can receive like dispensation to compete um, in some events maybe, okay. in some of the ones that they maybe aren't. Uh, being accused of systematic doping, but they will not be competing under a Russian flag. Right. They can compete under the Olympic flag. Um, I know there's one, um, a really talented young figure skater for Russia. Her coach has basically said, like, she's at her peak now. She's 18. If (laughs) she waits, I know, right? (laughs) If she waits another four years, like, she's going to be on the downswing. This is her chance to win. Um, and there are no, there aren't any allegations about improper doping, or at least they weren't sustained. Um, with respect to the figure skating program, um, I know as a hockey fan, it's been a pretty controversial topic within the NHL. So NHL players are not being allowed to go to Pyeongchang. Um, that was a big kerfuffle between the NHL and um, the International Ice Hockey Federation, uh, but IIHF. I think is the acronym, um, but Alexander Ovechkin, who plays for the uh, Washington Capitals, who has started a social media movement in support of Vladimir Putin, um, he said he doesn't care. 
he he had said he didn't care he was going to go and the NHL could do whatever was going to do to him, but he was going to play for his country. He has backed off of that. Because there's um, no country to play for. Well, like, no, he backed off of that before this happened because okay. um, he probably didn't want to have to sit out the rest of the season. I'm not totally sure. But, um, yeah, now I don't even know if he could play if he if they found a way around the NHL's rules. Um, I guess they'd have to be able to field the whole team. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could maybe get a bunch of hockey players from random countries who are playing for the Olympic flag or playing under the Olympic flag um, to field a team, but I kind of find that that would be really difficult to do. Right, and presumably they were already going to send their, like, you know, good young players who are playing, Mm -hmm. or maybe just folks who are playing in the KHL, the Russian Professional Hockey League, um... But anyway, that was one thing that jumped out to me, thinking like, oh no, what's Alex Ovechkin going to do now if he wants to protest Mm -hmm. the NHL? So um, that kind of leads me, when you were talking about the figure skater, it kind of led me to a question because Vladimir Putin had talked about boycotting. He's yes, he's cooled off. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so yeah. So if he if he actually decides to go through with a boycott, what does mm-hmm. that actually mean for Russian athletes who do want to compete and will compete presumably for no country? You know, will they face some sort of retribution when they get back? I mean, they obviously will not be lauded as heroes because they don't. None of the if they won, you know, the the woman who's going to like maybe figure skate. Um, at the Olympics, you know, if she won, the win is not for Russia. The win is just, like, a generic one, I guess. So, um, and generally speaking, in um, countries probably such as Russia, and I know in a lot of um, other ones, you know, Olympic heroes come home and they get better apartments and they get better endorsement deals and, you know, receive a lot more money than um, non-winners, I yeah. guess. So. Yeah, so according now, Putin has kind of backed off of his demand for a um, boycott and has said they won't, the country won't stand in the way of um, athletes who want to participate. Um, But I assume, well, I don't know, um, they wouldn't be going with like the financial support of the. uh, the Russian oh. Sports Federation. Oh. Uh, so that would be a challenge. And yeah, I think to your point, who knows what kind of reception they'll come back to. Because even though it does sound like Putin has kind of calmed down about the whole thing a bit, um, people, you know, the Russian public is still pretty pissed off about mm-hmm. this. Um, but Putin did admit in his statements that, you know, we should have done better and we gave, basically, we, we gave. We should have been sneakier about I guess. <laughs> we gave, you know, the Olympics an excuse or a way to do this to to ban us and you know this we gave them a pretext but the pretext is being used oh. in a dishonest way i think was oh. what he said so crafty yeah um yeah so we'll see uh the olympics start in february of 2018 yeah. um and matt lauer will not be going i think <laughs> mike Tirico is taking over a lot of those duties i mean that's not that much better let's be honest so I was actually reading, not to go back to our evergreen, <laughs> the portion of our podcast, but um, I guess there were her, um, harassment allegations mm-hmm. made against Trico like 20 to 25 years ago. And I believe the statement that, like ESPN put out was like at the time they were, they were dealt with or there was some sort of 
punishment. Yeah, and now he's hosting. He hosts Monday Night Football? No, it's Sunday night. So he does, he's on NBC. Oh, right. So he, um, he does. Obviously. Yeah. Sorry. He He used to host Monday Night, though, when he was at ESPN, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. So he stepped in for Bob Costas, who left NBC, um, and he's been doing some of the um, mediating between, like, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth on Sunday night. But he's starting to call some Thursday night games with Chris Collinsworth. Not to bore you to tears, people who are listening about the uh, studio crew for football on NBC. Um, I did. I know it's horrible and it's a very tasteless joke. But the people who, when they were talking about Matt Lauer's situation, were... Uh, Making the joke that you thought Bob Costas' pink eye was the grossest <laughs> thing happening in Sochi. Oh. <laughs> no. No. Um, yeah, they, so at the time of the Matt Lauer firing, it seemed like there was a story that was published maybe by Deadspin about Mike Tirico back in 2014 that started making the rounds on Twitter again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that may have been in response to the, the announcement that, yeah. that he was going to take over Olympic coverage. Um, I mean, he's fine at his job. He just sounds like a total creep and probably <laughs> in this atmosphere, NBC should read the room and assign somebody who's less creepy. But here we are. Yes. <laughs> if they did that, maybe they would just have no one that they could send, right? I um, uh, I just firmly believe that like Al Roker hasn't engaged in this type of behavior and it will break that my heart yes. if it turns out that I'm wrong. Um, but he, I mean, he's part of the Olympic coverage. I guess he just yeah. doesn't anchor things. It would be weird to have a weatherman anchoring sports coverage, so that's fair. But um, Yeah, d- for some reason, don't they do their, their morning shows from there? They do right? the whole Today Show crew. My recollection, at least in, from Rio, because I remember Al Roker screaming at Billy Bush <laughs> about how dumb he was being about the Ryan Lochte oh, situation. Right. And then stirring his drink. Um, <laughs> I think they do take the whole Today Show crew Got over it. there to do the Today Show from wherever they're at. Got it. So. so those are our, uh, I guess, three biggish stories for the week. Um, shifting gears into our three-minute warning. Actually, our three-minute warnings are really fun, so I'm kind of looking forward to this part. Um, the least fun of our three stories, I think, is Maria Sharapova. So she is being investigated for a, um, like, I think it's probably corruption slash scam uh, she invested in and endorsed a high-rise complex outside of New Delhi, India, called Ballet by Sharapova. <laughs> I just like gag. Oh my god! So apparently, this was supposed to be like a lifestyle condominium complex in New Delhi. Sure. Uh, high-end um, condos, like I guess, sort of not focused on tennis, but there would be tennis courts there. You could get tennis lessons there. Um, so she like endorsed this brand. She was like the you know the main spokesperson for this brand. Homestead Infrastructure Development was the developer behind the project, and I guess they pocketed like millions and millions of dollars and never built this condo complex. Oh my god! So people are a <laughs> bit pissed. Um, so you know, as the the spokesperson, she said like on the website for the project. So when she was first endorsing this project, she said, my goal is to make the owners feel like they own something special and different from everything else available to them. And this perspective is the same as I would have when looking for a home for myself. Um, So these condos were supposed to be built um, and finished in like sometime in 2016, but I think there's probably just a giant hole in the ground. And um, so now people who have invested money in 
ballet by Sharapova want their money back, presumably. I feel like they just deserve to lose their money based on the fact that they bought into ballet by Sharapova. This also is making me think of the building in New York City that is like steampunk themed. Oh. Which is just seems like a really intense theme for an apartment <laughs> building. Um, I would be afraid that I'd like brush up against the wall and like rip my jacket from like metal objects protruding. Well, or yeah, I, my, the recollection I'm having now, I think it was covered in um, New York Magazine, is that like they have a gym, but it's all like old timey stuff. So oh, it's seriously? got like a, like a boxing, like a ba- uh, heavy bag, but that looks like it's something out of the 1920s. Oh, crazy uh, yeah. and super pretentious. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Um, so, well, you know, Maria. Yeah, so. Um, this would never happen to Serena Williams. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. So she has not made any comment. And um, really, the, the fact that she's under investigation is the only thing I know of uh, related to this, uh, to this issue. So, yeah, do you want to talk about Mariah Carey? Yes. Ooh. In uh, this week's uh, Queen of the Week story, um, Mariah Carey got a $5 million settlement from her ex-fiance, Bill- uh, Australian billionaire James Packer, um, basically for wasting her time <laughs> with their engagement. Um, this is just so amazing to me. Um, she sued him. Uh, arguing that like she completely uprooted her life to move to New York to be, or excuse me, to move to LA from New York in order to be with him. Um, And she also made a claim that he was really mean and terrible to her assistants while they were all on vacation in Greece at one point. And this Um, caused her to like cancel some concert dates. Yeah. She had to cancel some tour dates in um, South America and lost out on a bunch of money. And, um, Apparently, she has now reached a settlement with Mr. Packer that would pay her at least $5 million. She also got to keep her $10 million engagement ring. Yes. Um, so That's insane. I just... Uh, Mariah... Mariah's the best. Um, it's a pretty... I, I would assume... I don't actually... I don't know. Probably if he somehow compelled her to cancel those tour dates, that would make sense mm-hmm. um, in terms of getting some kind of financial recovery from him, but... Otherwise, I'm kind of wondering if he's so rich, he just gave her this money to get her to shut up and go away. That's what I was sort of leaning towards because, honestly, like, asking someone to move from one end of the country to another, I mean, she's a grown-up, and presumably he has enough money where they could probably just fly her back and forth on a private jet. Like, right? Right. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, So, anyway, that's Mariah Carey. Um, Do you know, off the top of your head, like... Is he a hotel person as well, or a real estate guy? I want to say he's a real estate guy. Because I think the hotel person is the Uma Thurman former... Yeah, um, Andre Balzas or something. That's... I did not pronounce that correctly. (laughs) But yes, he used... And he has kids with Elle McPherson. Yes. So I just couldn't remember if James Packer was also, like, a wannabe that guy, or if he has money from something else completely unrelated. He is, um, he was in media, um, and he owns, um, Crown Resorts, which sounds like a, like, hotel real estate venture. Mm -hmm. It is... All right, Crown Resorts Limited, which is owned by James Packer, is one of Australia's largest gaming and entertainment oh. groups. 
that has a valuation of over um, 7.5 billion Australian dollars. Okay. Um, and he's a former executive chairman of Publishing and Broadcasting Limited and Consolidated Media Holdings. They own uh, media interests across a range of platforms. Oh, excellent. All right. So he is kind of a hotel person, but not um, in the same way as that other guy. (laughs) No, he's not um, just a hotel person. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... The person you're thinking of is Arpad Busson. Oh, yes. He's the one who has kids with Elle with McPherson. McPherson. He also dated Uma Thurman. But Andre, whatever his French last <laughs> name is. Um, oh, there's so many It is. Them. It's B-A-L-A-Z-S. And I can't pronounce it correctly, <laughs> but I'm not just making it up to be rude. He, I think, also dated famous ladies. So. Oh. Yes, he also dated Uma Thurman. Okay. Okay. <laughs> She has a type. Yeah. Hoteliers. Look at us making this shit up as we go. Um, anyway. <laughs> That's what you get for listening to Under Further Review. Super well-researched professional podcasting. <laughs> I mean, I feel like our talks about the legal issues are better researched than like yes. who dated who. That's very true. This is not our, this is not within our wheelhouse. Like, right. Um, we actually didn't talk about uh, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, but that really isn't in our wheelhouse, like as far as legal issues go, unless we wanted to talk about immigration status, but that's... Right, or the person who posted a tweet that said, um, so Meghan Markle and Prince Harry's kids would also be American. I don't know that that's actually true, but then they could run for president and <laughs> would also be in line for the throne. So this is like Britain playing the long game on getting their <laughs> colonies back. Um but I don't know that they could... I don't know if a British royal could be also be American. And this has never been a question, at least not from the people who are, like, high up in the line for the throne. Yeah, I'm wondering... So she she would have to, like, fill out the normal forms and become a British citizen. But I'm wondering if, like, because she is going to be married to a potential future king of England, would she actually have to denounce her American citizenship? Maybe. Because you probably wouldn't want someone in your... Than the royal lineage to have divided loyalties. And what happens if they get divorced and then she's renounced her American citizenship? Yeah, I don't know. Can you get it back? I think you'd have to go through a whole application process, oh, right? Yeah. I would just move to Canada at that point. Yeah, Canada. I mean, she lived in Toronto while filming Suits. Oh, there so. you go. Um, okay, sorry to be totally yeah. off topic, but this last story is really, really worth it. I promise. Go ahead, Burke. <laughs> she, Karma she, is real. <laughs> Um, so R. Kelly has had his entire mansion in Atlanta cleaned out from top to bottom. All of his belongings have been stolen and sold. Um, he showed up after a tour home to a completely empty house. Two homes. Though. Two homes. You're right. Two homes. Um, that apparently a guy named, uh, a guy who was doing like odd jobs for R. Kelly, who allegedly um, hadn't been paid... Uh, just started, his name is Alfonso Walker, um, he just started selling shit and somehow managed to sell all of R. Kelly's things, including his entire bedroom set for $6,000 and a diamond-encrusted hoodie. That's the best part? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, these houses are just totally, totally empty, and, like, when neighbors were interviewed, they were like, well, yeah, we saw moving trucks, but, you know, we said, oh, he's moving... Um, they explained it away very easily, so we didn't ask them any questions. And now these two giant homes have been totally cleared out and, uh, and could R- not have happened to a nicer guy. <laughs> R. Kelly has nothing. I mean, presumably now that they know that the 
things that were sold were stolen, I'm sure people will get their money back and R. Kelly would get his belongings back. Right, except the guy, uh, Mr. Walker, is That's on right. the run. That's he like was supposed to have turned himself Yeah. <laughs> supposed to have turned himself into police earlier this week. He has not done that. Um, so who knows where the money went. I know. Well, uh, maybe funding his right. like, fugitive status. So I would think that they would if they figured out who bought this stuff, they the police would be able to like retake the property, mm-hmm. but I don't know who's gonna pay them back for all yeah. this. So there's no furniture in the homes of the sex cult. Right, except where were all the cult members at the time this was happening? Exactly. I thought he kept those women at homes, like other homes. Oh. And also in Chicago, because he has homes in Chicago. That's right. So these were his two homes in Atlanta. Right. Uh, R. Kelly himself was out on tour when this happened. Yes, yeah. that's the explanation that the news has for how he didn't notice that his entire <laughs> house was being cleared. His entire two homes were being cleared out of literally all of his belongings. Yeah. No, they. I mean, sofas, paintings, TVs, the diamond-encrusted hoodie, all gone. How much money could he have owed this guy that he thought it was, like cool to totally clear out R. Kelly's entire home. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's a matter of principle. Maybe. Right? Yeah, if he knew he wasn't going to get caught, what the hell? Yeah. Or thought he wouldn't get caught. Well, I mean, like, how... He went... I mean, he was there the day the moving trucks were there. He talked to the neighbors to tell them that R. Kelly... Oh, no. He's just moving. It's fine. (laughs) At what point did he think to himself, I'm never going to get caught? Really? They just solved a a 7-year-old cold case in Tennessee, like... Yeah, and I wonder, did he, like, clear out all the houses and then start selling stuff from, like, a different location? Or was he selling things kind of on a room-by-room basis out <laughs> like, of the house? You can only buy sets. Like, you can right, only like, buy all of the bedrooms. I'm prepared to sell the living room today. Like, take your pick. Um, yeah. Oh, authorities have said they believe that Walker sold... Um, things room by room. Oh. That's so nuts. Do you think he sold, like, do you think it was, like, buy R. Kelly's bedroom? Or, like, here's some furniture, buy, like, but this is a bedroom set, buy the bedroom set. Right, I don't know. So the bedroom set was bought for $6,000. That seems like a lot of money to me, but I'm not a rich person, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure if it's just, like, you were able to say, like, this is just really high-quality furniture like, yeah, at $6,000, or, like, buy R. Kelly's bedroom set if people... Yeah. Would buy it for $6,000. Yeah. I don't know. I have so many questions about this. I know. And I do, um, as much as we are celebrate the downfall of R. Kelly, I do feel like, not to circle back to our evergreen conversation again, but, um, you know, R. Kelly has been accused for years and years and years of um, uh, doing terrible things to underage women women of color. And um, I think something that's been in the news a bunch particularly recently is that like no one was really paying attention to all of these uh awful sexual harassment sexual assault claims when it was women of color speaking up and now that's a bunch of white ladies then now they're getting attention so i do think it bears repeating that r kelly has been accused of being a predator for years he somehow still has a career that's super disturbing and please stop listening to r kelly music he's a monster uh someone accused him of heading up a sex cult of like women being held prisoners in like at various locations Yet he's still on tour for long enough that somebody could sell two full homes of belongings out from under him. There's something wrong here. So crazy. 
Um, so those were our three uh, stories for three minute warning. I did have a reality TV stoop yes, item. And I don't know. I feel like we've gone back and forth between including that in the three minute warning and not. I feel that it has earned its place as a standalone segment. Awesome. So <laughs> very briefly, um, again, it's a real housewife um, since that's mostly the only reality TV I care to watch anymore. Um, also, they're constantly getting into uh, shenanigans situations. <laughs> so um, this situation has to deal or deals with a um, real housewife of new jersey melissa gorga sister-in-law to Teresa judice who we oh. discussed in our last podcast um melissa is married to Teresa's brother joe a little weird that her husband and oh, brother both was, have the same name i was very confused there for a second also watching the show there could i think Teresa's a little in love with her brother but that's a separate <laughs> it's a whole other podcast um so melissa last season um through the with the help of her husband bought a um, boutique i think it's in hoboken called envy by melissa gorga her husband joe never let her forget that he was the one who was like funding this venture mm. um joe's kind of an asshole but that's again separate issue um at the start of this season of the real housewives of new jersey um melissa she had a business partner a woman by the name of jackie robinson yikes <laughs> sorry <laughs> That's a little too on the nose, I think. Yeah. Um, Jackie Beard Robinson. Okay. Um, so she she was kind of, she's sort of, she was featured on the show a little bit last year. She was kind of a pain in the ass, didn't seem super helpful, was kind of down on what Melissa was trying to do. Started this season, um, Melissa asserted that Jackie, she and Jackie were no longer business partners, and Jackie stole all of the, like at the time they split up the partnership, um, Jackie came into the store and stole all the merchandise, leaving Melissa with literally nothing to sell. Sort of like the R. Kelly situation. <laughs> um, so Melissa made that accusation on this TV show, and now Jackie Beard Robinson has sued Melissa and um, St. Andrew, Andy Cohen, uh, who's a Bravo executive. Uh, he runs all of the um, Real Housewives reunions and is on the... Um, he does Watch What Happens Live after the Real Housewives are on every night on Bravo. A friend of Anderson Cooper and Sean Avery, former NHL player. And Michael Davies uh, from the Men in Blazers podcast. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> right, because Andy, I think, in addition to being a... Um, Bravo exec, I think he does work for Embassy Row mm -hmm. Studios. Yep. Um, so... Jackie Beard Robinson is now suing the two of them, um, among other defendants, I think, for $30 million for defamation oh. because they called her a thief on national TV. Um, is he is Andy Cohen being sued because in his professional capacity or was uh, or was Melissa Gorga, right, having a conversation with him about it? I believe it's based on the um, Inform on what was discussed on the uh, the TV show, not like an interview that oh, okay. um, Melissa did on the. Um, actually, just because like, aren't there like publication elements to defamation? Yes, and so there was an incident. As I'm reading through this, um, there was an incident where Melissa appeared on Watch What Happens Live oh. with Andy Cohen, where Andy asked her. Wow, so that lady, meaning Jackie, Jackie Beard, Beard Robinson, Robinson, wound up kind of ripping you off. And then there was a whole back and forth oh. about that. So um, that was the one of the precipitating incidents of this. I think that must be how Andy got 
looped in. Also, because he's an executive producer on the TV show. Mm-hmm. But um, it also appears that they are suing NBC. And mm-hmm. as part of a statement released by Jackie Beard Robinson's attorneys, uh, they said, quote, over the course of the past year in particular, NBC has become synonymous with fake news designed to gin up its ratings and profits. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the other defendants, as alleged in the complaint, NBC will be held to the strictest standards of journalism by a jury of my client's peers. We're confident that it and the other defendants will pay dearly for destroying this talented woman in order to greedily fill their coffers. Wow. Um, and the damages, the $30 million of damages, is um, included $10 million worth of um, non-economic special economic actual compensatory damages and then $20 million in punitive damages or at least 5% of each defendant's net worth, whichever is greater, to punish and impress upon defendants the seriousness of their conduct and to deter similar conduct in the future. I gotta say, like, she signed up to be on the show and, like, I am no Melissa Gorga fan because she's kind of a nightmare, but, like, this Jackie lady seemed like a total asshole who was not, didn't know what she was doing, really dropped the ball on, like, helping run the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think that will help her, but presumably she's suing them looking to get some kind some of settlement. settlement. Um, just because I have to, I feel like I have to ask in these situations. Sure. Is envy spelled E-N-V-Y? It is. Oh, it's, okay. Yeah, it's spelled like uh, like the word envy. Okay, because sometimes real housewives like to spell things their own way. Yes, that's true. Um, yeah, no, this one is spelled, spelled like the okay. word envy. Got it. So does that mean you no longer watch Vanderpump Rules? Oh, no, I do. Is that related to Real Housewives? Vanderpump Rules is related to the Real Housewives. Okay. That is, I have not watched this, I haven't, I think that premiered this week and I just didn't get around oh, okay. to it because I was busy at work. Um, but yes, Vanderpump Rules is related to the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Lisa Vanderpump stars on Got that it. show. Okay. She and her husband own a bunch of restaurants that are apparently not very good. According to Yelp reviews, I am not saying that they're not very good because I've never been to them. Um, they're a little heavy on their balsamic glaze. Oh. But their restaurant names are not spelled correctly, right? No, I think they are. So there's, well, there's Sir, but that's spelled S-U-R, like Big Sir. And it stands for Sexy Unique Restaurant. (laughs) Oh, my God. Which is just dumb, but spelled normally. Um, What else do they have? Pump, which is uh, like a diner. Um, And then Villa Blanca, because their house is Villa Rosa, I think. Hmm. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. Um, Mostly... I'm trying to think what you might be thinking of. Not Vanderpump Rules. I don't know. So do you watch Southern Charm still? Or is that well, show not on anymore? There hasn't. They're in between seasons. Okay. And I struggle with Southern Charm because they're, like, they're all from South Carolina. And there was one, I mean, it's set in Charleston. And, like, there was one episode early on where one of the characters was out who is, like, in his 50s and was dating and has two children now. The woman who oh. was in her, like, very early 20s. Yes. Um, was out to lunch with his dad and like his family has been there since like slave times and they were complaining about how much they hate Abraham Lincoln and that made me feel deeply uncomfortable. Oh. Um, so Thanks. yeah, I've, I've some trouble with Southern charm, oh. but <laughs> like I, there are some historical figures where I'm like, yeah, that's totally understandable that you would hate that person. Like oh. Hitler, you know, Genghis Khan, like any number of them, but oh. like, Really? Yes, if your family benefited from like slavery, you would hate Abraham Lincoln. The more I'm talking about this, like I should never watch Southern <laughs> Charm again. Okay. But the uh, T Thomas Ravenel, who was the old man with the 
young mother of his children, um, he ran for senator against oh. Lindsey Graham. And not to get political, but every time I hear Lindsey Graham talk, I just keep thinking, like, I never thought I would think it was a good idea for Thomas Ravenel to be in the Senate, but, like, now I'm wondering, because you sound as crazy as you accuse the president of being Lindsey Graham. So, anyway. Well, yeah, I don't know. He, he got, like, 4% of the voters really embarrassing. They had a, <laughs> uh, uh, a supposed to be an elections party, and it just turned into, like, a Just wake. a depressing, yeah. Sad. Um, that was an episode of Southern Charm. They're real bad people. I shouldn't watch it anymore. I think that's the conclusion I've reached now. But they, on that show, they have a ki one of the kids is named Kenzie, but I think that's spelled like this back half of Mackenzie. So. I know that there's, I know that there's something like in the oh, recesses. Her name is Kensington, and uh, her nickname's oh. Kenzie. Anyway. Oh no, there's something in the like the recesses of hmm. my brain about like Real Housewives and some of their businesses or whatever, and they're just being spelled very poorly. But. I don't know. I will move on from this. Anyways, so that's our show for today. Yes. Um, if you want to reach out to us, um, so Rufio, our, our mascot, has been sitting very quietly, yeah, which is a new thing for him. Good but I, job, Rufio. We did get a picture, so we'll be posting on our Instagram page, um, and you can follow us there and Twitter um, using our um, handle UFR underscore BG. Um, you can also find us on our website under further review dash bg dot com, or you can email us at under further review dot bg at gmail dot com. So thanks so much for listening. We will uh, be back with you next week. Bye. Bye.